Um, I guess we should move on to some video games and maybe try Let's and go faster. Yeah, I, that's probably less to say. Okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, what, I, again, you haven't, I haven't played a lot of video games this year. Um, I've been like, there haven't been a lot of new releases that I've been interested in. I've like picked up a couple of things as they've come out and enjoyed them, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I mean, generally just didn't feel like that much of like all, all the big games that were coming out. I just didn't have any interest in. I had no interest in cyberpunk before or after the shit show that was its release. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other big games that came out this year. I think there were year. some. I guess there's, you know, the classic sort of Call of Duty stuff. And yeah, I've got no interest the in The kind that. of recurring things. Uh, well, sh- shall we jump into the list and talk yeah, about... you can jump into the list. Those. I mean, f- from my side of things, I probably played more games last year than I have in previous years. Like, it's, it was more of a game-heavy year than an anime-heavy year, which is probably less common. <laughs> um... But a lot of that was like catching up on my massive backlog of games that I've wanted yeah. to play for ages. Um, and yeah, also lots of just kind of indie games that not the big releases or just like short form stuff. Which I mean, was kind I, of I've played quite a lot of games, but not necessarily like any new games, as you say. It's just like a, a lot of just playing games, like, you know, things I've played before, going back to the old reliable, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh but yeah, we can dive in. So like the first one we've got on the list, which is like semi-alphabetized, question mark. <laughs> I sort of um, moved it around so it would be alternating talking. Yeah. Uh, so Disco Elysium is the first one on the list. And this is one that I'm pretty sure you haven't played. Nope. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, just starting out strong out the gates, is probably like one of my new favorite games of all time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It, so the, the premise is... Well, a very basic premise is you are a a cop who is woken up with no memories, classic, uh, but like because of a really bad hangover, <laughs> you've basically woken up in this hotel room. You have no memories of like who you are or what you're doing. You figure out you're a cop because you've got like a badge and everything. And like when you start interacting with people, they kind of behave in a certain way towards you. Uh, and like you find out there's this murder that you're supposed to be investigating and like your partner appears and he's kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Like, I need to get on the job and solve this case, etc. Um, but yeah, so it calls itself a detective RPG. Um, and it is a kind of isometric top-down thing where you're like walking through these like kind of uh, sprawling, uh, what's the word? Kind of like quite gray, oppressive like environment. It's in a kind of fictional city, but it's almost... It's by an Estonian developer, I think, and it, it seems quite inspired by a kind of like old Soviet era type world. Mm. Um, and basically, you're just like a mess of a human <laughs> in a lot of ways. And the kind of RPG system is based around leveling up like different sort of traits of your character, um, and in quite a different way to like other rpgs so it's not like strength and dexterity or like charisma and stuff it's like appreciation of art and like a uh, sense of pain and like uh some more like traditional things like intellect and stuff uh but all of these things are stats which help you like 
in conversations and interacting with the world. Uh, but they're also like distinct characters within your brain. So like you speak to like these different elements of your personality and like your kind of inner dialogue or monologue, depending on how you look at it. Um, and all these different attributes of yourself are kind of like voiced in these weird ways. Uh, and it's, it's just like so unique in so many ways. Um, and like that kind of progression system and like building your own detective and in so many different branching ways, uh, both like personality wise or like morals wise or political leanings wise. Uh, but also like the mystery that you're solving and all the different side stories. It's so compelling. Um, and the world that they've built is like incredible and just the writing is absolutely hilarious and fantastic and yeah some of the best things that I've seen in games uh, and like I couldn't recommend it more and it's coming out with a new like definitive final cut edition very imminently uh, with like new content and like super cool like soundtrack and various things but yeah like it's it's something that I recommend. It's, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea. Like, I wouldn't say everyone should go out and play it. Uh, but if any of that sounds vaguely interesting, then give it a go. I'll put it on the list. I, I have a very long list. My list yeah. gets, like, exponentially longer every time we do one of these podcasts. Yeah, that's that's the issue. We, we need to, like, stop talking to each other. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. It's just because we like stuff. It's because we like stuff, and also because like we just play Splatoon constantly rather than other games. True. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to um, that. So, talking about the games, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? Is that the title? That's the full title, yeah. Well done. Um, so, this is... It came out like a few years ago now. Two or three years ago, maybe? Was it that long ago? Maybe I'm overstating that. I don't know. Time is an enigma now. Um, but I don't think it was last year, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, but so this is by Respawn Entertainment of Titanfall and Apex Legends and previously like bits of Battlefield and stuff. It was uh, November 2019. Yeah, there you go. Um, um, uh, well, the, the, the people who worked at Respawn are mostly formed from ex-Infinity Ward employees who made Call of Duty 4 and previous etc previous etc yeah exactly um but basically respawn are pretty cool and we've enjoyed yeah. like some of their games uh and when this was first announced so like the, the background is i'm like a massive star wars fan um and i'll lap up most star wars content and i and enjoy these things and i'm always on the lookout for a good star wars game and when this was first announced uh and shown off at like e3 however many years ago or whatever um it looked like a kind of lazy attempt at creating like a sort of Dark Souls game, which is very much in vogue at the time in like Star Wars, like kind of reskinned it. And like the main character looked really dull and like it didn't seem to have much of a story going for it or anything. Um, but then it came out and like everyone who was playing it was like, this is surprisingly good. And it was getting like loads of really good reviews and like lots of people I respect was like, yeah, you should, you should play this. Um, so I eventually got around to doing it, and yeah, it turns out it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it was like one of the greatest games of all time, um, like Disco Elysium, but uh, I enjoyed it far more than I was expecting to. Uh, it just it felt very Star Warsy in a way that a lot of games like really struggle 
to capture mm. like the vibe of that universe even though you'd think you know you put the different elements in there and you know just come out star wars uh, but there's a certain vibe that you can't you know just wing it um and they've done really well uh whilst i'd say that the, the characters themselves aren't particularly interesting as was kind of fairly obvious from the start in a lot of ways like the environments that you explore are very compelling are very star warsy um the action uh i clicked with a lot more than i was expecting to because like i Whilst I'm getting older, as they say, <laughs> I, I, I don't really have time for combat systems where it's like super real time and like twitch reactions and like really unforgiving. Um, but this doesn't doesn't quite go to that end of the spectrum unless you're like playing it on super hard or whatever. Um, it's just quite fun to like swing your lightsaber and use your force powers. And there's like quite a well paced like unlock system where you like, yeah, get new moves and new force powers and things. Um and yeah, you just kind of like jet set around the galaxy, seeing these different things, going through various set pieces. Um, and it, in fact, it's like one of the only games in like, well, as far as I can remember, definitely in the last few years that I've actually like kind of 100 percented in terms of like finding hidden areas and objects and collectibles and things. Just because like it doesn't go out of its way to make those really hard and it doesn't have like areas that are too crazy big they're just like kind of the right size for someone who you know is working and doesn't have limitless time uh yeah that's probably all i need to say about it really like it, it was um a pleasant surprise and like i'd say it's worth giving a go if you if, you, if you're a star wars person um or just like a actiony person i have to say it's sort of I, I remember seeing it and it definitely falls into one of those i, I mean as you will probably get to as we go through this list, I still basically just like play games mostly on my Switch. I have a PC, but because I'm working from home, I've got my work PC plugged in most of the time. And it's a really pathetic thing, but it takes like five minutes to swap over all the cables and I can only bother to do it, especially if I just want to play for an hour or two in the, in the evenings. So there's lots of sort of games that this it, to me, it kind of it falls into one of those games where I see it and I'm like, this is a shiny looking AAA game that I'm not really that interested in. And then I sort of forget it exists. And there's so many games like that where I just think if I had a PS something or if I could buy this on PC, I'd probably give it a go. But I just don't get around to it. So I don't know. It's um, I, I may I may give it a try, a try one day, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. If you can pick it up cheap, and that's like probably a challenge, seeing as it's like EA published and Star Wars licensed. Um, I think I grabbed it for like twenty-one quid or something like that, which I thought at the time was a bit of a bargain, which is why I grabbed it. Um, but obviously, it's, it's still quite a bit of money for like an impulse buy. Uh, but yeah, if, if you can grab it on the fairly cheap, I'd say yeah, give it a go. Okay. So next game on the list is Hades which I think we've oh, yeah. both got quite a lot to say about. Um, I just want to say, like, before we get into anything, that I feel like the best advice I can give on Hades is not to listen to anything we say and just go and play it, because it's an amazing game to go into completely blind. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think you've got the right of it there. But um, with that in mind, you've been forewarned, so... Um, <laughs> time to talk about Hades. Time to talk about Hades. Hades is like a sort of action-y... It, it, what's the, what's the, how would you describe this? It's, you, you basically... It's sort of like an, a, a top-down action game 
in which you go around murdering stuff and you go through randomly... Well, they're not random. You, you go through two different rooms and defeat enemies with the aim of getting to the end. It's just much like a lot of sort of roguelike things. Yeah, I guess the jargon would be like a dungeon crawler roguelike kind of yeah. thing. Um, um, but with a Greek mythology flavour to it, yes. uh, hence Hades. Um, and being a, a classics nerd, that definitely appeals to me. And being a just kind of Greek mythology nerd <laughs> kind of appeals to me. Um, yeah, so you're, you're playing as Zagreus, uh, the, the child of Hades in this case, uh, and you're basically fighting to escape from the underworld because you find it boring and you don't like your dad <laughs> initially. Um, and as you do so, yeah, you're fighting through these various chambers of different parts of the underworld and you are lent to the aid of various uh, Olympian gods uh, who like give you different boons, which like give you different abilities uh, that you can use, uh, yeah. whether offensive or defensive, or to and basically can, just help you power out. You can use different weapons and get different power-ups and different styles. And you basically, you know, every time you go through, you have a slightly different build and you end up with different things depending on how your luck goes. And sometimes, you know, things will work out. Sometimes it'll be a lot harder depending on what you end up with. But... Um, it's sort of it's defined as a rogue light yes. rather than a rogue like because you do over time as you play like the, your first few runs there's basically no way you're gonna there's no way you'll get through to the end <clears throat> and then over time you kind of you unlock upgrades and it's a very like steady stream of things I would describe it as that there was a, a video which I saw a long time ago which was talking about what they defined as an unfolding game. And that was actually more... Have you played um, A Dark Room or something like that? Frog Fractions, so. Candy... What is it? Candy Box. Any of those? Not as far as I'm aware. Well, anyway, basically it's just like it's a game where it initially looks very simple and then something happens and then like a new feature opens up and you go wait what's this and then another thing opens up and you go wait what's this and it just kind of just steadily just like opens and grows into this huge thing i'd say this is kind of an almost perfect expansion on that idea you kind of you start out again you know to use the appropriate classical term in medias race in the middle of things you literally just thrown straight into the game without any explanation of what's going on and it's not even until you've gone through your first run that you get to kind of come back in and work out what the hell's going on and why anything's happening and meet any characters. So, and the way that the story unfolds is sort of... The, the story unfolds as kind of the gameplay features unfold. So you learn more about the story and you also get more... And it just like feeds you this stuff at just the perfect rate just to keep you interested and just keep you going. And every time you think you're stuck, you just kind of, you just persist. There's just enough to keep you going until you break through and um, and get to the next area or defeat the boss that you were stuck on or something like that. And yeah. it's just really masterfully paced in that sense. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think it is probably one of the most perfectly paced games in terms of, yeah, like you say, the interweaving of the story and the gameplay and also like the difficulty curve. Like you say, there's like, an element of overarching progression where like you just sort of level up as you go along which makes things a bit easier but the way it's 
done kind of makes you feel like you are just kind of getting better at the game and obviously mm. there, there is a part of that as well because there is kind of reaction speed and like timings and things um but yeah it, it just feels like you're you're climbing this ladder like at just the right pace you're being fed just enough but also like you're earning things off your own back at the same time and yeah these these characters and stories are unfolding at the same time it's just well, just like perfect yeah. perfectly timed i mean we, i feel like we need to talk more about the, the characters and the stories because the characters like the the writing is fabulous and the voice acting is incre- is just brilliant all of the funny stuff is just hilarious and you know all, all of the gods have different personalities and you really kind of get to know them you know their little quirks it's quite often I can sort of I would because I, I play it with with my partner watching because she invo- enjoys watching it and I'll quite often just like almost perfectly predict what the various gods are going to say when they see me when they come to give me a boon because it's just that and that's not that's not like a, a negative it's just kind of funny and um and there's all these kind of little side stories that unfold and sub characters and people you can interact with and it just sort of, it just, I mean, I've now completed like the, the sort of the core element of the game and I'm just kind of trying to sort of get to the epilogue scene, which takes a lot longer. And I'm kind of, there's not as much to keep you going now, but I'm still keep playing it because that combination of just the, the gameplay being so good and also that sort of, that storyline progression just keeping you ticking over they, they just work in tandem so well yeah and, just... and that descriptor of like an unfolding game is really true like both while you're sort of playing it before you've quote unquote completed it but also afterwards like yeah you, you'll be playing and then suddenly yeah this whole new aspect of the game will just reveal itself to you you'll unlock yeah. this entirely new way of playing or like new areas or whatever you're like whoa like i can't believe there's still more that this game has to give yeah, um, and I mean, especially again, as you say, after you 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 think, okay, well, I've finished the the core aspect of the game. This is it. But no, it just it just kind of there's whole like. I mean, again, it's not as much stuff, but that there's just still just keeps on being more things. I don't know if there's um there's plans to kind of add more things into the game or more DLC. I know there's been a few things added over time, but I'm kind of, I'm a bit late to the party on it. So it may be. Yeah. Well, it was, it was originally an early access game. So like people were playing it before it was quote unquote Mm. complete. Um, and there were kind of like mini updates, uh, a couple of times after launch, but I think at this point it's pretty much done as far as I know. But I mean, it's because I I was a bit concerned about it because it's, it's not like expensive, but it's like I can't remember on Switch it was twenty six quid or something, which for an indie game is sort of relatively steep. And I think I got it on a sale for I don't know nineteen pounds or something. Yeah, but I think likewise it, I picked it up on a sale for like. 18, it was. 19, I probably wouldn't have been unhappy if I paid full price for it. Not at all. I mean, I've played literally over 100 hours of it. Yeah, I, I don't know what so. my time in it is, but it's probably like 70, 80 hours. So you're definitely getting your money's worth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what else to say apart from like, go play it. I mean, the music's phenomenal as well. That's worth pointing I out. I did find that I liked... I, to, to me, compared to... Because this is uh, made by um, Supergiant. He usually worked with uh, Darren Corb as a... A, a composer. I haven't played 
Bastion. I did play uh, Transistor. Transistor. I really like the the soundtrack for Transistor. I own the tran- soundtrack for Transistor. And I listen to it occasionally. I feel like the soundtrack for Hades is less sort of. It's fine in the game, but I don't really know. I want to listen to it by itself. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the backing tracks are probably not like sort of casual listening, but the, the mm. more like song bits of it definitely are. Yeah, uh, which is but there's the only way. a few of those really. There's only a few. That's true. And that, that's um, that's what sort of gets me. I definitely recommend playing Pyre as well if you've not played that. Uh, that's another super giant Corb collab. Okay. Uh, a great soundtrack there. So you wanted to talk about some other roguelikes or roguelites whilst you were here. <laughs> Did I? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just like other things that I've sunk a bunch of time into last year. Like it's, It seems to be the era where pretty much everything is a roguelike or a lo- roguelite or a roguelite-like-like-like. Um, but, yeah, so like, it seems it seems to be a title that covers all, all form of sins because there's Hades. And then, like, also the things that I was playing last year, uh, I sunk a lot of hours into Slay the Spire, which is people call a roguelike or a roguelite but it's like a card game and the gameplay is completely different in like every possible way uh, to something like Hades. Um, but it's apparently the same genre question mark. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a cool like deck building uh, card battling game <laughs> effectively. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't have like a particularly strong coherent theme that's like worth talking about. There's just kind of like generic monsters uh and then you like play down cards to beat them up um Fair enough. but it's 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 very compelling like there's a few different classes that have like different cards that you like put into your deck and so similarly like you can build all sorts of different combinations as you progress through the game so like each run is very different from the last and it's like modified by like different artifacts and things you pick up along the way too and obviously there's like random seeding to how things come along um, so it's, it's, it's very com- compelling and there's like lots of things to unlock in terms of like more cards and more classes and, and things and like there's an extra sort of extra special difficulty curve that you can sort of climb along the way similar to kind of Hades heat system I suppose mm. and and another one that I played that's almost the exact same genre <laughs> is Monster Train which is another like card battling creature killing roguelike thing uh, which has a more like interesting theme where you're like riding on this train out of into hell can't remember one of those ways <laughs> and there's like different factions that have like a really strong theme so there's like sort of tree people who kind of like regenerate and there's like demons who have imps that kind of explode on each other but then can like be resummoned and there's uh these this race of candle people who like are really strong but they burn out over time as you might expect uh, being candles um and then there's ways to like kind of rejuvenate them, etc. Uh, that was a really cool game. Played quite a bit of that. Um, not much more to say, really. I just okay. thought it was kind of worth mentioning whilst we're in in the era of such things. And like yeah. again, like the the new game of the moment seems to be like Loop Hero, which is a a roguelike or a roguelite. I don't know. It just <laughs> seems to be sort of thrown on anything that's got some something that's like procedurally generated in any way. Yeah. Yeah. And or anything can... where, like, you just do a, a quote-unquote, a run of something. Like... Yeah. Well, because it's sort of, it's, it's kind of bite-sized. It's just like, I mean, the, the, again, going back to Hades, it's just like the number of times I'm like, 
it's only quarter to midnight. I can fit another run. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh, dear. Yeah, Probably so, shouldn't have so done many, another run after that run. So many days like that. So many days like that. But worth it, probably. Um, so next game on the list is Paper Mario, the Origami King, which I played. Um, you haven't. Correct. So this game was kind of, it was a bit of a weird one, really. It was randomly announced, like, on Twitter. And they said, this game's coming out in two months. And people kind of lost their shit a bit. Because to, to um, briefly recap some of the Mar- Paper Mario controversy in recent years, um, there's like the old Paper Mario games, which include Paper Mario on the N64 and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door on the GameCube, which are very beloved and people think are the most wonderful things ever. Um, and then there was Super Paper Mario, which was kind of weird and was a platformer with RPG elements, which people are slightly divided on. And then came the Dark Days, which is Paper Mario Sticker Star on 3DS and Paper Mario Color Splash on Wii U, which are pretty well reviled because they kind of took away some of the RPG elements. So you can't sort of level up and you just use these um, stickers, which are consumables for everything and it's one that and it, it's still some weird stuff where it ends up being so that you basically have to avoid you, you it, it makes most sense just to avoid battles and then you have paper mario origami king which sort of i'd say kind of goes a little bit back towards the old style but not completely which made some people happy and some people were still unhappy and i don't really care because i played it and i really enjoyed it Hooray! It wasn't an amazing game, but like the, the the combat, which has this sort of these fun rotating things, are um, was a little bit frustrating, especially in some of the later stages of the game, where it just sort of like you have a timer and you basically have to solve a puzzle, and if you don't get it right, you sort of screw yourself over. And then in some of the early games, it's just like really easy, and you basically just don't actually take any damage for about the first half of the game if you're playing it right but apart from that which i mean that that was like i guess that the combat you know is a decent part of the game but everything else like the storyline which is you know peach gets kidnapped actually peach doesn't get kidnapped by Bowser. peach gets kidnapped by ollie the origami king and um, you're helping Olivia, who is Ollie's sister, to like hunt him down. And there's just, but it's just like the story was really fun, and the game is beautiful, and the music was fantastic, and the writing was just really funny and just really good. And there were a number of times where I was just like genuinely like heartbroken by what happened in the game. And I mean, there was one particular moment, but there was another one near the end of the game. And I was just like, man, this is just like, not what I expected from this bright, happy Paper Mario game. So, I mean, that, that, that some of those might have been spoiled already if you've been paying any attention to it. But damn, it just like, it really hit hard. Um, and, you know, there's a few times where there was some sort of slightly questionable game design and some things were a little bit frustrating 
but generally I just had a really good time with it. So run it past me again like did you say that broadly this isn't beloved or people think is more of a return to form? It's somewhat of a return to form. It's not like fully a return to form. You still don't really level up by battling, which is the thing that people seem to get particularly hung up on. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of... It's one of those things where when, when you think about it too much, it's just like... I mean, there's lots of games where you could just run past enemies and there's no point defeating them. But you do defeat them because it's fun and satisfying. So I guess the argument is that a lot of the battles in this game are just kind of time-wasting rather than being fun or satisfying. But, you know, I, at the end of the day... Um, I, I didn't play uh, Color Splash on Wii U. I did play Sticker Star, which I found okay, but kind of frustrating. I think this was a better game than that, and I did enjoy it a lot. So, Yeah, I think it's very easy to overthink it. Like, if you enjoyed it, then great. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. a good game. Okay, next up, Outer Wilds. Coming of... soon to Switch. Good games, yeah, coming soon to Switch. I thought that was a really cool announcement. I mean, I'm probably not going to pick it up again uh, because I played it very recently on PC uh, and I feel it's probably slightly better suited to to PC than Switch, but I'm glad that it's got a chance to hit a whole new audience because this is a a phenomenal game. Um, A very, like, indie project (laughs) uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, And I think it came out of, like... um, an indie games competition potentially a while back, uh, at least in its earlier phases. Uh, but so this is a game in which you kind of like have runs at an objective, but isn't described as a roguelike by anyone as far as I'm aware. Uh, because this is a game in which uh, the whole universe uh, explodes after 20 minutes, um, or like 22 minutes, or something like that. Um, and then you basically go back to the start of a loop um, and try and prevent that from happening. Uh, so it's it's one of those kind of classic time loop mystery game type things, which are very much in my wheelhouse. Uh, and I'm always a big fan of, even if it's Apart a bit from of a Majora's trip. Mask. Apart from Majora's Mask, we don't don't talk about that. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a cool spacey game where you're in space and like you fly around uh, your little spaceship uh, to different planets and these are all like really cool constructed environments with like really interesting gimmicks, um, and like the environments like evolve over time like on this kind of timer like they behave in in a certain way where you're like you know some things you may only be able to achieve towards the end of that like twenty minute time limit some things you can only do towards the start and. Basically, you're unraveling this mystery of like why the universe is exploding, also why you're somehow able to survive that and try again, and like all these kind of different uh, mysteries about like the races that have occupied the galaxy and like all these different planets. Um, and like you learn, you learn new things with like every different run, uh, f- both just by kind of like looking at environments. There's a lot of kind of text that you read off walls and off spaceships and things as well, um, and you kind of store this knowledge in your spaceship as you kind of go along as you try and figure things out and so you can kind of like look at this between runs and be like oh you know where am i going to go on my next one like what, what's kind of the next step to solve this puzzle um 
and it's just in, it's incredibly compelling. Again, there's some there's some good writing. The design of the universe is incredible. Like, and, and in terms of like the design of all the systems in the game and like how everything kind of runs like clockwork on this timer, regardless of like how you kind of interact with it and what you're looking at at any given time, it's like really well executed. Um, and like, yeah, it's it's another case of like, I'll die. And then I'll be like, well, I guess I've got to do another run. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of the time you will make it to the end of your, your your 20 minutes without dying, but you can also die through hazards of, like, you know, falling into space or various uh, things, um, crashing into a sun, etc. That's one I did quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> but, purpose, uh No, no. Um. Um, but, yeah, like, it's it's just... I mean, maybe it's a bit geeky, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. Um I'm really glad it exists and, and hope other people can enjoy it as well. I mean, I think, do, do we like things that are a bit geeky on stuff that I might like? I think I th- we I th- do. I think the jury's still out on that one. I don't know. I mean, jury is two people. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that's all I have to say about other worlds, I think. Okay. It's pretty um, cheap, actually, as well, because it's, because it's so indie. Cool. I'll put it on my list. <laughs> do it. Um, Streets of Rage 4, which is a game that we've actually played together. This somehow. is true. The a one time phenomenon. we actually managed to meet up in like the last year. In our brief respite from lockdowns, yeah. Um, I mean, I've played it a reasonable amount by myself, um, and with my partner, and with other, well, and with, with you and your fiancé. So. <laughs> with other people, wait, no, no, just you. <laughs> So um, this is like a sequel to the original Streets of Rage games, which are on the uh, Mega, Mega Drive, Drive or Genesis or whatever you want to call it, um, for our American listeners, which we have loads <laughs> of. Um, and this is like, it, it, it's, a, it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up game. It's really classic. And this is just like a return to, to that, really. And, you know, it's like any side-scrolling beat-em-up, it's pretty basic. You've got, like, an attack button and a special button and a jump button. And that's really all you need. And you can throw weapons at people, you can hit people with lead pipes. It's got gorgeous animation. Um, Just the character designs are fantastic. The soundtrack is just, like, amazing. It's just, like, techno awesomeness. Uh, the, the soundtrack is because the the, um, the original soundtrack, is, uh, the, I think they're generally sort of considered as some of like the best soundtracks that came out of the the Mega Drive and um, and that kind of era, and this kind of it the the style of the music. I think the, the original uh, composer was involved on some of the tracks as well. But it's just like it really just sort of keeps that style and keeps the feel of it um, while sort of bringing everything back up to date in terms of the sort of the samples and things used. And it's just like, it's just, you know, it's like a neon blast of excellence. And, you you know, it's just like any side scrolling beat em up. There's not a depth through it. You go through and you beat up some people. I'd say it's relatively expensive the amount of content there is. You, um, once you've played through it kind of a few times on some of the difficulties, you unlock some other characters, but a lot of the characters you unlock are just retro versions of the existing characters, which aren't that interesting to play as. But, I mean, for what you get, if you can... It's one of those things where I would say every time I've got some 
friends around who haven't played it before it's like you can just pull it out and be like let's play this game and it'll be a whole new experience yeah definitely a good couch co-op for sure but yeah that's um that, that that's that's my my take on that really nice yeah i mean i don't really have anything to add to that i i enjoy it quite a bit um harken back to the old mega drive days which is also fun did um, you play the original games on the mega drive i did yeah i did I, only, I was a I, wee lad. I played mostly Streets of Rage 2, which I later found out was the best one. I think I might have played 1. I don't think I ever played 3. But 3 was generally considered to be not as good. So. Well, there you have it, folks. So, Paradise Killer. Paradise Killer. Um, so, last year, despite there not being like that many new games that came out last year that I played it was really tough for me to decide like what was my kind of game of the year um, Disco Elysium I was thankfully able to rule out because it came out like the end of the previous year <laughs> um, but then it was like a massive showdown between Hades and Paradise Killer uh, as, a, as a spoiler for how much I enjoyed this one um, so it, it's kind of on a theme because this is also based around like a murder mystery um, and so if you're coming to this game and like you look at any of screenshots or videos or anything, you'll instantly probably be put off, but you'll be like, this is wild. <laughs> um, the art style is like mad. Basically, it has kind of... There's two elements, I guess, to the game. Uh, it's a murder mystery, as I say, uh, and it's set on these like fictional, fantastical islands that have been created by these like god beings that you're sort of part of this pantheon um and you're like the designated like justice investigator or whatever uh and you're like exploring this like perfect paradise island uh hence paradise killer uh and it's like a first person 3d exploration of this world um and it's like a kind of pixely style um it's you know like slightly higher fidelity than like a minecraft or something um but it's like yeah kind of retro vibe uh and you're like sort of hopping around uh you can unlock like a double jump and like different powers to kind of traverse like sort of hills and buildings and like various things that you're looking around and you can find clues and things in the environment like footprints or objects or like this kind of stuff um there's this kind of free form exploration aspect uh but then there's also like a sort of visual novel style like interrogation conversation system where you like come across these different characters or all these like different gods uh and suspects around the island um and like you have these conversations with them and they have like these fully realized like beautiful like 2d art like kind of anime style um for each of them and it's like it's absolutely incredible and like off the wall stuff uh and like you have these dialogues and like it's got quite a bit of voice acting um and you yeah, like kind of puzzle out kind of what's happened on this island and like uh, how this murder came about uh through yeah this use of your wits and like your interrogations and your exploration and like your super computer associate who like kind of compiles all the clues that you find together to help sort of organize them um and it's like super cool like the environments you explore are like well like actually seeing the environments like walking around them is probably like the least interesting part of the game but like finding stuff within them and like the sort of 
satisfaction of like unraveling the next bit of the mystery and like figuring out, oh, I should probably check out this area because there's probably something here, and then you find something, and it's like, yeah, I'm I'm a smart boy. Uh, like it, it actually does have like proper detective vibes to it, which a lot of detective games like don't really like. You don't feel mm. like you're the one unraveling the mystery, um, and that all comes to a head like at the end of the game when there's like basically a courtroom scene and you kind of have to present your evidence and like accuse the people that you think are responsible like for the murder and like various other crimes that you kind of come across along the way um and at no point does it tell you like you're right or wrong or like you have to like go back and try again it's like you've accused these people and the punishment is death so you like execute them (laughs) in front of you regardless of whether or not you like know for sure that like that's that's how you did it you just have to kind of trust your instincts and like what you found along the way which is like really cool it's kind of like higher stakes than you usually have in a game like this um and the other thing that kind of like brings it all together is it has as has kind of been a common theme like an exceptional soundtrack (laughs) um it hasn't i I know like a few people have sort of bounced off it a little because it kind of there's a limited number of tracks for the time that you spend kind of exploring the environment but it's a very cool like mix of kind of like techno funk jazz vibes um again like there's a sort of a mix of like some really cool like voice sort of sung tracks and then like sort of more backgroundy bits um but it's all super cool and like i I listen to it on the reg as they say even now um so yeah that's a great game exciting I'll put it on Very the list. <laughs> Get it on the list. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of something intelligent to say in response to that. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to kind of process if I'm just kind of like garbling at you. Um, I, I recommend sort of having a look up, look up see what it's like. Um, but yeah, like I, I heard people kind of describing it a few times before I kind of took the plunge to see what it'd be like there, itself there are a lot of games like that which i feel like there's sort of i mean even obviously if again if i'm mostly just playing things on switch there's things that i kind of miss out on because i'm mostly just playing attention to games that are coming out on switch as well i'm not really following like other news sources about games unless they're like major announcements so paradise I, killers on switch is it it is. Well, there you go. I've lost that. <laughs> I, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's, sometimes it's hard to sort of know what... Because I, I do like indie games, but some of them are really good fun, and then some of them are just kind of not. Yeah, I am not good at yeah, just like kind of knowing everything that's coming out and somehow being able to tell good from bad. I rely on like podcasts mm. and personal recommendations a great deal to figure out what I should play. Um, and then it's one and, of those things yeah. where it's like I could just be playing Splatoon right now. <laughs> sure Sometimes you need a break from Splatoon, Ben. Eh, then I can just play Hades. Fair, fair. It, it has been a big problem for me. I've just been playing Splatoon and Hades like back to back because when I don't feel like playing one, I can just play the other, and it's just taking over my life. Anyway, <laughs> next on the list, I wanted to talk about. Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess and Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which I played through both of not that long ago. Um, and you've managed to make it because Skyward Sword is now quite topical. Yes, which is not at all planned. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think I probably still would have played the... I, I broke out my uh, my Wii U because I was just like, man, I want to play some games. Oh, I played through the, um, the Mario 3D 
All Stars collection. I guess that was the thing I played. But I mostly got it to play Sunshine, which I did play through and was like kind of mixed on. It's a very janky game. It's kind of weird compared to, or you, you generally consider Mario games to be like very polished, and Sunshine was not. It's very, very kind of weird and slightly broken in a lot of ways. That's probably a joke to be made there about, you know, you cleaning up the city and things, but I don't know. But anyway, um, having played Super Mario Sunshine, I briefly played Galaxy, as I think I'm, Super Mario Galaxy, as I think I mentioned before, is one of my favourite games of all time. I played through a lot of times. I haven't played through Galaxy 2 that many times. And since they didn't include Galaxy 2 in the collection and I wanted to play it, I ended up breaking out my Wii U so I could, um, you know, can play Wii games. So I played Galaxy 2 on my Wii U, and that was great. Um, and then I was just like still in the Wii mood, so I was just like, I'll just play through Twilight Princess since it's been a while. And then I played through Twilight Princess, and I was like, I should play through Skyward Sword, because I'm still feeling like I didn't get my Zelda fix somehow. So I did that as well. So I, um, I got like an interesting sort of back-to-back -back comparison of them. So the, the general consensus is that people usually like Twilight Princess more than Skyward Sword. Mm. I've always been a bit of a Skyward Sword apologist. Um, There's quite a few of you out there. Yeah, and um, and then I mean that I I, I went I, I was surprised by how annoyed I got at a lot of things in Twilight Princess because it's one of those things where <clears throat> because of the era it's made in it was like two thousand six I think late two thousand six it came out and some of the game design stuff is just a little bit dated which I think annoyingly some of the things would have been fixed if I played the HD version on Wii U but I wasn't playing that I played the Wii version. Um, I found like the the Wii controls to swing the sword, which I remembered enjoying quite a lot before, were just like kind of annoyingly unresponsive, especially when you need to get out your sword. You have to like really swing the Wii remote a lot to actually get the sword to come out. And there are just a number of other things which I just found kind of frustrating. Um, and then playing Skyward Sword, it's just like, has a lot of great things about it like it's just got this really colorful art style and it's got brilliant characters and i mean yeah sometimes the motion controls can be a little bit frustrating but actually i found that they work pretty well most of the time which has generally been my experience with it um there's a really great video if you're interested comparing Skyward Sword and, or if anyone's interested, comparing Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild by a guy on YouTube called Neryl, N-E-R-R-E-L. Um, and he talks about how, basically, Skyward Sword has a lot of the aspects that Breath of the Wild kind of lacks. So Breath of the Wild kind of lacks interesting core storyline and it lacks kind of interesting dungeons and some other things like that whereas and it lacks sort of some kind of interesting music and thing and musical cues and things like that and 
Skyward Sword really just has all of that in spades. It's got these like brilliant characters and the way things are set up and the way the storyline goes. And it's got fantastic dungeons and it's got great music. And it's got these environments which you kind of... You get these sort of quite... You, you don't get a big overworld where you get the sky, but when you get down the surface, you get these sort of these relatively small areas which you come back to quite a few times for various different things. But I do find that with those areas, the way that you come back to them each time is sort of different. So there's one area where you'll go through it initially to find something, and then you'll go through it and there'll be some different enemies that have spawned in. And then you go back to an area later on and the whole thing has been like completely flooded and you have to swim through the whole thing. The whole thing is underwater and it just completely transforms the whole way that you play it. And I just thought that was, um, that was brilliant. And just the, the way that the sort of all the story comes together at the end was great. And I'm supposed to talk about Twilight Princess as well, but this is the kind of problem is that Twilight Princess just leaves me with so many kind of nothingy feelings. A lot of it, like the whole of the overworld, just it's huge, but it's very empty. And it's all very sort of grey and dark and grim. That was very much and, the mood of the time. Yeah. And it, it's it's sort of it, it's just frustrating because there's just a lot of things where they don't quite mesh with modern game design. And you sort of you expect something to work a certain way and then it doesn't. And mini games is another thing. Mini games in Skyward Sword are like borderline impossible. They are like frustratingly hard. There was a mini game in um Twilight Princess, where it's like, oh, if you get 10,000 points, you'll win a big prize. I think on my first attempt, I got 90,000 points. <laughs> I was like, oh, are you even trying here? Did you put a decimal point in the wrong place somewhere? So, I don't know. It's um, It was really interesting playing them back to back. And um, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed Skyward Sword. Because I haven't played it in a long time. So I'm I'm still really excited for Breath of the Wild 2 when that comes up. And I'm curious to see if they do integrate some of those uh, things from Skyward Sword that made it more interesting. I don't know about you, Ben, uh, but one of my favourite moments of the latest Nintendo Direct was uh, when they tried to pretend that Skyward Sword was like a precursor to Breath of the Wild by introducing these innovative mechanics like a, a stamina meter and all these things to try and uh, get people to yeah. believe that it was a very similar game. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, it, th this is the thing is that Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild are kind of diametric opposites of the Zelda spectrum. You've got like the really wide open world versus sort of kind of closed in, focused gameplay and you know i i think that there's there's elements of both that we can have ba was pretty hilarious and especially like how salty everyone got and saying oh i can't believe they didn't announce the sequel oh it's never gonna happen nintendo is terrible people, is seem very, people seem very upset about the um the pricing of the skyward sword remake as well which i can understand but at the same time, it's just like, well, if you if it's expensive, then don't buy it. Send a message with your wallet, is what I say. Play the game on Wii, like me. 
Also, I'm not convinced that the motion controls for sword things are going to work very well on the uh, on the Switch because I don't know. I just feel like it's just going to fall out of calibration so quickly. But we'll see. Only time will tell. So, do you want to carry on down the list? Sure thing. Uh, the next game slash games I have on the list is Persona 4 and 5. Uh, just because, you know, talking about one of those would only take like half an hour or something. <laughs> um, basically, uh, Persona is pretty great. Like, I, I was very late to this party. The first one that I actually played in the series was 5, even though, like, I knew that being the person that I am with the interests that I have, like the game the game series was probably going to appeal to me uh, before that. Um, I think it was partly just not having the right consoles at the right time was, was definitely an element of it. But 5 definitely seemed to capture a broader appeal, a broader audience anyway, um, and was like an incredibly well-made game. Uh, I have it on the list because I played a lot of it at the beginning of last year. Um, I think it actually came out the year before, uh, but I, I, I played a lot of it at the beginning of 2020. Um, and it's, it's just really well made. Um, I, I, I'm not going to dive into a big explanation of, of how the Persona games work. They're very similar every time. Uh, it's basically a combination of like dungeon-crawling, JRPG-style battle system um, alongside a kind of quote-unquote overworld like social interaction system where you basically kind of decide how you spend your like free time um in x place in japan <laughs> whether it's like hanging out with friends or like reading books to become better at fishing or like all this kind of stuff uh and it's it's just it's just a really cool uh set of mechanics it's very compelling um as you yeah like improve your character and also go through these like really cool vignettes and like with five in particular um the, the the dungeons that you explore in the series, uh, the reason it's called Persona is that they're basically like the internal kind of like mindscapes of like of people. Effectively, mm. you're like diving into people's like subconscious, and like it takes the form of like this big dungeon or palace or uh, like restaurant or like whatever it is, depending on like the person's like psyche. Effectively, uh, and in five, these are incredibly lavish, like really well designed, really fun to explore. Um, in four and in the previous like iterations of the series, like the dungeons themselves are like kind of less fleshed out, like quite repetitive, um, which is like one thing that five has above the others. But I've been playing Persona Four Golden recently, um, and I'm still playing it. In fact, because it came out on uh, PC, which is very cool, uh, cool, and you know more things should do that. Uh, and it's surprisingly cheap as well. Um, it's like nine quid or something mad. Um, and yeah, just been really enjoying it. Like. Whilst the kind of visuals are definitely like far more dated than five, which looks absolutely stunning, um, like all the all the pretty much all of the same like great gameplay is there. Like obviously the formula for the series had like been locked in at this point, um, and like a lot of the sort of social interaction stuff and the stories and the character interactions and things are like really well done. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's it's just been really good to kind of yeah. slowly work my way back through the series. It does occur to me, and you can correct me if this is off base, but it sort of it seems kind of almost similar to Fire Emblem in a way, where they've kind of they've basically got a gameplay loop that they know is like compelling and they know works, and they've just polished the hell out of it. 
Yeah, I'd say that's uh, definitely right. I mean, I think Fire Emblem Three Houses messes with that slightly because it throws yeah. in a whole load of other mechanics <laughs> into the mix. Um, but yeah, it's, that's definitely right. I think it's like a kind of tried and tested formula at this point. Um, but Which it isn't works. necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, and like, it's quite a complex <laughs> like formula with a lot of different moving parts. But like, yeah, it forms a really nice, like, satisfying whole. Um, and like, I definitely recommend it to to JRPG fans. It is one of those things where it's like a million hours long, so like, <laughs> you do need a bit of time investment. Um, but I found with Persona 4 Golden, at least, I can't really remember with 5, it's, it's been quite easy to play in like little chunks, like when you have a little bit of time here and there, like there's lots of save points and you can just play like, because the the game is like divided into like time chunks and like you have the calendar, which is like a central part of it and you like progress through time, um, you can just play like a day or like an afternoon where you just like go hang out at the cinema or whatever and, <laughs> and then save it and quit or go like do a couple of floors of a dungeon and then like come back to it later kind of thing which is, is quite nice to dip in and out excellent yeah i mean i definitely like you say um it's one of those things where <clears throat> I, I i've sort of i've seen lots of recommendations about persona and obviously the number of like spin-offs and various other things that exist it's just like it's obviously a, they're good games but i just haven't had the right systems at the right time to play them um, I haven't owned a PS3 or a PS4 or a PS5, so I'm pretty behind on all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if Persona 4 is on PC now, that's definitely a bonus, and that might be something I'll look into at some point. Maybe I'll oh, put I it did. on my list. <laughs> Get it on the list for sure. Um, I, I recommend playing it with the controller if you have one. It's definitely yes, like a good pad game. I will do that. Also worth pointing out that, like, they will have great soundtracks as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a running same. theme. I, 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 I mean, feel like we only play games with good soundtracks. Um, yeah, I'm looking down the list now, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's basically true. Uh, the Fallen Order soundtrack is like okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's no. it's 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 classic, like you know, spin-off Star Warsy. So like, there's some good moments that draw on the like the main motifs, um, but nothing out of the ordinary, I guess. Ah, so the last thing we've got to talk about the list, which we have already talked about a bit, is uh, Splatoon 2. We've been foreshadowing it for the entire podcast. So um, I bought Splatoon 2 when it came out. We've probably talked about it before on this podcast. I bought it when it came out, um, which is quite early in the Switch's life cycle. Uh, really enjoyed it, played a lot of it. It was like, everyone should buy Splatoon 2. Mike, we enjoyed playing Splatoon together you should buy Splatoon 2, and you're like, nah. That's, that's a good description of what I was And like. then I said, hey, Mike, when are you buying Splatoon 2? And you went, nah. And then there was a, I can't remember, like a free trial thing, mm. probably quite some time ago now. And then you played it with your fiancé, and... I don't know if it, if it was like more her that like persuaded you to go for it, or were you like already interested by yourself? I think it was the fact that like yeah, she clicked with it so much, which I wasn't really expecting. Um, but the fact that she clicked with it, and thus it became something that we could all play together, uh, just made it yeah suddenly a far more uh, appetizing proposition, I suppose. Um, because yeah. even if like 
it was just me and you playing online. Like I always feel a bit uncomfortable, <laughs> like playing a, a multiplayer game sitting in the living room while my fiance is like, you know, well, on a laptop or whatever. So, so um, my fiance also she got a Switch Lite um, several months ago, mostly for playing Animal Crossing. And before that, she just kind of watched us playing Splatoon with the three of us. And if you don't know, playing Splatoon two, you can't like all play together consistently on the same team unless you have a full squad of four people. And I also had the same thing where I was like, well, you could play Splatoon, but I don't know if you'll enjoy it that much. And then eventually she sort of played it for a bit. She she tried out my copy on her Switch because I've got a physical copy and was just like, yeah, I think I'm enjoying this. And then she's been playing a lot of it, uh, even just by herself and really enjoying it. So again, you know, I was it was surprising that it clicked that much. I think it is, it's just one of those games where it's quite instantly gratifying and the gameplay, the core gameplay is so like satisfying of like swimming around in ink and jumping out and shooting people that it it doesn't sort of, it's not necessarily all about kind of Twitch skill and, um, and you can do a reasonable amount even if you're relatively new to the game and feel like you're making an impact. Yeah, it's it's a gentle curve initially, for sure. I mean, as we've discovered, like it becomes a bit harsher the further you uh, progress. <laughs> but, yeah, um... Um, we've been getting stomped by some some higher level teams, but that's mostly because there aren't that many people p- who play the uh, the uh, the four man team mode. Yeah, but I mean, it's worth, announced, worth pointing um... out. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay, uh, I was just going to say, like, because we did like the sort of preamble of how we we all got into it, it's, it's worth pointing out that it is now uh, a regular fixture of every evening playing for several hours, uh, yeah, which, which is quite of... an intense uh, testament to the game, I suppose. Which again, as you know, surprising given this game is what now over three years old, three and a half years old, something like that, maybe nearly four years old. <laughs> It's been quite a while anyway, but you know, there's, it's, it's still full of people, it's still going strong, and I'm, I'm really happy that I've, I, I never really considered that I'd, you know, have three other people to play with, I was like, god damn, how, well, when, if you can only play League Battles, if you've got, well, if you can only play the four-man mode, if you've got three other people, where am I ever going to find three other friends who can play Splatoon? Talking of three, though... Um, obviously Splatoon 3 was announced not that long ago which I totally called I was just like there's a non-zero chance they announced Splatoon 3 today and you're like there's a pretty low chance and I was like oh and I said there's a higher chance than them announcing F-Zero and you're like oh (laughs) and then they totally announced Splatoon 3 which I was still pretty surprised by so it's um it looks cool I watched like all the trailer breakdowns and everything and basically, we still know nothing. So, I'm just really excited to see how that um, how that goes. It's not coming out till 2022, so I've got a bit of a wait there. But mm. it was another lovely moment in time, hearkening uh, back to when we were first watching that E3 conference together, where they revealed Splatoon One. We happened to be watching the uh, Nintendo Direct together, albeit remotely, uh, to see the announcement of Splatoon Three, and it was a, a very exciting moment for all. Yeah, because. I was thinking that actually Splatoon 2 wasn't really announced properly. They did that weird thing where they had sort of the trailer where they showed off the 
Switch and there are people and it's like, is that a new 3D Mario game? Is that a new Splatoon game? What's going on here? Is that Mario Kart? Is that a new Mario Kart? So they kind of sort of showed off some of these things in the background without really explaining them. And it wasn't until later they actually... So they, they were kind of soft announced rather than actually being um, properly shown off. And Sp Splatoon 2 is always kind of a bit more of a Splatoon 1.5. It was used a lot of the same stuff as Splatoon 1 with some features changed and some things nailed onto it. Whereas I'm hoping Splatoon 3 will be like more of a full-on sequel and might have some sort of fundamental changes. So, but in the meantime, there's still plenty of Splatoon 2 to play. Can't wait for more Clamblets on Gobi Arena. I hate Clamblets so much. Okay, well, um, that's our list. Did we have anything else to say? Any other closing remarks? Any other games you wanted to call out whilst we're here? Oh, no, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I will very quickly have a look. Um, um, Animal Crossing, did you want to mention at all? Uh, I played quite a lot of it. I've never played Animal Crossing before, but it was a moment in time where everyone in the world is playing Animal Crossing and my fiancé is massively into it, so I got it. Um, and I enjoyed it for quite a while. I clocked like 140 hours or something of it. Um, but then I got tired and moved on, <laughs> which I, is something that not everyone seems to have done. So I didn't play Animal Crossing. I, I don't know. It just doesn't really appeal to me that much. Yeah, well, it, did, it, it didn't appeal to me either, which is why I'd never played it before. Um, but then, yeah, I did find myself like... I mean, I, I'm sure I could get into it, but it's more just like, I I don't know. It, it, it's knowing that I'd sort of have to boost it up every day to kind of do some things. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like one, one of the reasons that I stopped in the end was literally because I was spending upwards of an hour every day just like doing like the chores like literally going through like the list of things that i felt like i had to do every day to like mm. rinse the game uh and unsurprisingly that wasn't particularly fun <laughs> so yeah had to go any anything else you want to shout out there's nothing uh super vital to mention i don't think a, a vague shout out to like the total war series i think i played at least three iterations of total war last year um, the best of which was Total War Three Kingdoms, uh, which I really got into, um, based on like yeah the Three Kingdoms era of Chinese history, uh, which is also the inspiration for things like Dynasty Warriors and stuff, uh, which is, I'm obviously a fan of. Are you uh, excited for Samurai Warriors Five though? Oh, <laughs> why Ben? Uh, I I'm still I'm cautiously optimistic. We'll see how it goes. I want to see more of the game. Mike didn't enjoy the art style for the new uh, Samurai Warriors trailer. Game. Mike was Mike was very sad. Mike was deeply saddened. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. They announced that Mass Effect remake. Does that come out yet, or is that uh, still soon? I think soon. I actually, again, you know, in the way that I've been doing things topically, I started playing. I started a Mass Effect playthrough shortly before that was announced. And um, I don't know. I'm not sure about it. I, I'm still a big. Um, as I am an apologist for many things, I still think that the first Mass Effect game gets a lot of... What's the word? Negativity from people who are just like, oh, this is difficult and weird. Whereas um, I think Mass Effect 2 gets way too much praised for the fact that it's actually kind of boring in a lot of ways. 
I think the discourse me. is kind of finally balanced out a bit now. I think people recognise that Mass Effect 1 probably had the best kind of like plot and like momentum like driving mm. through it and like a lot of originality. Uh, people have probably softened up slightly on 2, though like in terms of mechanically probably an improvement on 1 as like a, a smoother experience. Um, and like I feel, or at least I hope, that most people have kind of appreciated Mass Effect 3 a lot more because the bulk of that game was fantastic um, if you put the ending aside. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I will... I, I, I probably won't get the remake. I'll probably just, you know, continue to play the, the old games with, I don't know, texture mods or something. Yeah, I can't say I'm planning to, uh, to invest uh, another however many hours in that series. Um, but again, like, it's nice to see that potentially find a new audience. Well, let's looking, for, looking forward to like fifty thousand more tumblers dedicated to Thane popping up over the next few months. Especially if he's got new weird reptile textures that just make him look extra shiny. Indeed. Uh, okay. th thanks for thanks for joining us in this uh, adventure into stuff Ben and Mike like. Yes, we've had a good time, and um, we'll. Uh, We'll see you. We'll see you. We won't see you. You'll hear us on the next one. Don't get cooked. We're not doing that. Oh, come on. Stay off the hook. <laughs> Damn right. Okay. This has been Stuff Ben and Mike like. And we like stuff, which we, we didn't do. do the intro for, but yeah. Maybe we will. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.